Are you struggling to make your first 100K or next? Are you pretending you're successful, but barely getting by? Are you tired of comparing yourself to millionaires and billionaires who make it look so easy? Welcome to First 100K, the number one entrepreneur voice in America. I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like how to make your first $100,000, because I believe this is where 90% of entrepreneurs get stuck. And I tackle the mental game of entrepreneurship that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are successful entrepreneurs who share their mistakes, their number one fears, their daily habits, and their superpowers that push them over the 100K mark. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a 10-time failed entrepreneur and the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida. This show was created for you, the entrepreneur who's pushing to break through the elusive 100K milestone. Wherever you are in your business, you're just 100K away. Today, my featured guest is Mitzi Perdue. She is the daughter of one family business titan. Her father founded the Sheraton Hotel chain. Maybe you've heard of it. And the widow of another business titan, her late husband was the family was the family business poultry magnate, Frank Perdue. So if you've heard of Frank uh, of Purdue Chicken or Purdue uh, Farms, Chicken Farms, uh, then you know her late husband and what he started. And she is also a businesswoman in her own right. She started the family wine grape business, now one of the larger suppliers of wine grapes in California. Now, Mitzi's like, Mitzi likes nothing better than to share insider tips for successful family businesses. She loves passing on legacy, right? And teaching others how to do legacy with a family business. Um, now, Mitzi speaks on how to make your family business lasts across the generations. And she also talks about success tips for mega successful people. We're gonna really get into that conversation today, Startup Nation. Now she just co-authored a book with Mark Victor Hansen. He was a guest on our show uh, here several weeks ago, you may remember. And that book is called How to Be Up in Down Times, 40 Tips to Align Your Soul, Body and Mind. And Startup Nation, maybe you have been feeling misalignment there with everything going on in the world around you. So Mitzi's going to uh, help you with this um, and she's gonna share principles, uh, business principles from mega successful people, uh, especially her father and especially her late husband. Um, so Mitzi, welcome to your first 100K. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Oh, well, frankly, I thought you did a fabulous job and I'm not sure there are any gaps, but it doesn't matter. I'll go fill in stuff anyway. Uh, let's talk about my father, who was the president and co-founder of the Sheraton Hotels and his first 100K because he started out, he and my uncle and my father's roommate from college at the end of World War I, because he was born in 1897, the end of World War I, the three of them had $1,000 in war bonuses. How did they turn it into the Sheraton Hotel chain, which was worth, uh, he had 400 hotels at the time of his death. He died in 1968. But how did he get from $1,000 to something bigger? And I'll share it with you. 
father, uh, with the $1,000 in war bonuses, he was an interesting case because, and this is family lore, but in, when he was 26 years old, he just hadn't done anything with his life. And when he got engaged to my mother, mother's future mother-in-law, my grandmother told her, Molly, don't marry Ernest. He can never stick with anything. You're going to end up poor. And so, but mother said, I don't care. Um, I love him and they married anyway. And guess what? Uh, <laughs> she did not end up poor. But how did he go from being somebody who could never stick to anything to somebody who came, you know, one of the largest hotel owners in the world? And the answer is how, how he went from nothing to really extraordinary successes. He went to a career guidance counselor. He just went to the Yellow Pages and went to the, a career guidance counselor. And the man, his name was John Snow Connor, and we're talking 1926, he said, you know, after eight hours of testing, he said, Mr. Henderson, in my career as a guide, career guidance counselor, I've never come across anybody who had worse human relations skills than you. Ouch. Ouch. But how about honesty is a good thing. Mm. So, so what did the career guidance counselor recommend? He said, since you just have no ability to get along with people whatsoever, I recommend that you're, you're clearly a smart fellow. I think you should pursue a career in science uh, where you work in a laboratory and don't have to interact with anybody and you come up with your inventions and whatever else. And so father walked out of there with, you know, how about really being hit in the face with reality that, that his human relations skills were terrible. Well, he told me that he took that as a challenge. He reasoned that anywhere, any place you want to get in the world, it really helps to understand what makes people tick to understand how to get along with them. And he made it a lifelong quest to learn what motivates people, you know, what they like, what they don't like, what gets them to go the extra mile, what, what gets them to want to be with you. And he took courses right and left, like salesmanship courses, psychology courses, public speaking courses. And he told me that he read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. He took the course, but on top of that, he said for the rest of his life, every 10 years, he would reread How to Win Friends and Influence People. And the end result was when he got into the hotel business, which how about was the exact opposite of what the career guidance counselor said he should be doing. He was so successful at figuring out what motivated people that people generally stayed with him for life and were always willing to go the extra mile and made one hotel a success. With the money from that, he bought two. With the money from that, he bought four. And I guess the entire point of the story I've just been sharing is his greatest deficit became his greatest asset. Mm. And I'm kind of hoping that you want to know how this played out in, in actual fact, understanding people probably better than anybody else of his competitors. Absolutely. However, before we go there, I just want to sum up what I just took away from that story. Um, what I'm hearing Startup Nation from Mitzi right now is that if you want to be successful in business, 
If you want to be uber successful in business, then be uber successful in relationships. You really want to learn people, what makes them tick, how to inspire them, how to get them or persuade them or influence them to bring their best self out. And it sounds to me like that's what Mitzi's father did. That's why he was a massive success in the business world. I'm guessing her husband did it as well, but we'll, we will get to that story. So wherever you are in your life right now, Startup Nation, maybe like do a check like the, the career counselor gave and ask yourself, how are you doing in relationships? Do you really get what makes people tick or do they just annoy you? And if they just annoy you, then why stop there? Why not do what Mitzi's father did? And take that upon yourself as a personal challenge to get better at human relationships. Mitzi, anything you want to add to that? Yeah. Oh, it, it's, it's sort of like a PS to what you said, because I often used to ask my father and my husband as well, what, what was the key part of, of your success? And both of them said, it was the people who worked with me. But that, that raises the question, how do you get the people who work with you to to be willing to give their all to your project. And, and I think both men were just extraordinarily good at it. And yet neither man started out good at it. They, they I, I almost think the fact that they didn't start out good at it meant that they had to put so much effort into getting better at it that they, they ended up being better than their competitors. Mm, that's powerful. So Startup Nation, like whatever your reason or excuse is for not being great at something, it's just a lack of practice. Yes, but lack of practice and lack of study, because I think father initially had, had he, I, I, I think initially he had no idea that he was so bad at it and, until the career guidance counselor explained why, why you're not keeping jobs, why people don't follow your ideas. And he learned. I mean, I, I can tell you something. He was head of the, you know, one of the largest hotel companies in, in the country. And by the time of his death, we were, you know, in dozens of other countries as well. Well, what he was just really good at was figuring out how to get from here to there. You know, if, if I've got a deficit, I'm going to, I'm going to take courses. I'm going to, well, here's something else that he did. He made it his business, at least when he was more successful to actually make friends with some of the greatest psychologists and salespeople that he could find. Like guests in our house, weekend guests would be people like, there was a guy named Eddie Bernays, who I think his title is founder of modern advertising or a professor at Harvard named B.F. Skinner, who was at the time, just one of the great psychologists of the world. And these would be household guests because father he didn't want to just read the books, although you know, he'd recommend that, but when he could talk with them personally and pick their brains and just get ever better and better and better at understanding people. I mean, he would not have been the success that he was if he didn't put so much effort into understanding people. Mm, so powerful. Startup Nation, if you want to be a great person, surround yourself with great people. If you want to be a, a true success, a high achiever, surround yourself with people who have already done that.
they may be one or two exits past you in their journey, that's great. Come to them with a humble heart and ask, ask them for help. Don't be braggadocious. Don't show up like better than where you're at. Show up exactly where you're at. Let them know, but tell them where you want to go and ask them if they would be willing to help you. Go ahead, Missy. Well, I'm just thinking of, of I got to watch Father with B.F. Skinner. And you know, by that time, Father was really successful. So I think B.F. Skinner was maybe a teeny bit in awe of my father. But my father, in in drawing him out, uh, I, I think he approached it with humility and admiration. And you know, Father at that point knew enough about human relations to how to make B.F. Skinner feel good about sharing ideas with him. Mm. Very powerful. Okay, let's uh, go to the story of your late husband um, and speak about how he built his business empire. And you said he started out um, in a deficit and then turned it into this mega successful business. What, what are the principles that uh, you saw in him that you got to witness um, and now can share with my audience? All right, he told me that he started out a shy farm boy who he had never been in a school play. He, he didn't engage in any of the after-school activities. He'd always go home to help in the farm. He, was, uh, he didn't finish college. And he was so shy that his father simply decreed to him, I want you to get into sales because sales will help you come over, overcome some of your shyness. And Frank told me that when he was first, I mean, I'll jump ahead in the story. He became known as the master salesman of the decade in the 18, 1980s. But he told me when he started out, he was so shy that he was incapable of looking the prospect in his face. He'd instead just be looking down at his field boots. And, but he took salesmanship courses. He took, like my father, he took the Dale Carnegie course. He, when, when he wanted to get into advertising, he did something that nobody in the poultry industry had ever done before. He took 10 weeks off from running his chicken company and he went to New York and he, he created for himself a 10 week total immersion course in advertising. And he, he joined, I think it's the National Association of Manufacturers. I'm not sure quite which, but they had an extensive library and you know, he paid the fees to join this just so that he could get, have access to their libraries He'd read all the books on advertising, and then he'd read the magazines, and then he'd look at who the authors of the best articles were, and they were often university professors, and he'd go call on them and learn everything he possibly could about advertising. And then when it came to performing, this man who was too shy to ever even try to be in a school play, how did he get to be an advertising icon? I mean, there was a period in the 1980s, 1990s, where if at least if you were in the East Coast of the United States, most people knew the name Frank Perdue. Yeah, how did he get to that? The same story as my father. He just put endless effort into learning every part of the advertising business and the acting business. Mm. What I'm hearing is a pattern, right? A pattern between your father and uh, your late husband, um, Frank Perdue. Which makes sense, right? Because you, we tend to attract as spouses um, versions of our father or mother, right? 
and, and here you are attracting a version of your dad in your, your husband, but both really adopted this principle of uh, not accepting um, lack or uh, accepting um, that deficit as their, as their destination or, or their life. They, they just said, okay, if this is the thing I need to get to this dream, then I'm going to immerse myself in it. That's another pattern I see is full immersion to learning another pattern, learning everything I can about this area that's missing, this puzzle piece that's missing in order for me to get to that dream or destination. Startup Nation, what is that missing puzzle piece for you in your business right now? What is it? You have your dream of where you want to go. Hopefully, if you don't, sit down, write it out now. What's that destination look like? Make sure it's specific. Put a date to it. Put an amount to it if it's a monetary destination. And then what is the missing piece? Where's that area of deficit? And then what resources are available around you, right around you, that you can go and access, fully immerse yourself in and learn everything you can about that area of deficit so that you bridge that gap right now. Anything you'd like to contribute to that, Mitzi? Well, first of all, wholehearted agreement. What I thought that both the men in my life were very, very good at, and something that I recommend to our listeners is, they were extraordinarily good at seeing how to get from here to there. And what I mean by that is, you know, father wanted to grow the hotel industry. The, the, actually, he wanted to be a success in life. And he figured to do that, he had to overcome his biggest deficit, which was understanding people. And in the case of Frank, his biggest deficit was just painful shyness. But both of them, you know, they wanted to make, they wanted to make the most they could of, of who they could be. And so both figured out how to get past their deficits. And I admired them no end for that. Mm. I really like the way you phrased that, right? Their, each of their deficits was different, yet very similar, right? One was completely antisocial, meaning <laughs> communication with others. Uh, and then the other had suffered from major shyness, also a form of antisocial um, as well. But they didn't accept that. And, and that's what I love about both their stories. They didn't just settle and say, oh, okay, this is what my life looks like. I'm a victim. This is the, this is the deck of cards I was handed for my life. They said, no, there's a, there's a card missing in my deck. Let me go find the card so that I can play life with a full deck and be a success in life. I really like that. All right, Mitzi, we're going to shift now. Um, because I think you did a great job of really summarizing both their, uh, their business successes as well as their life successes uh, very su succinctly. Um, now let's shift to your book, How to Be Up in Down Times. You co-authored this with Mark Victor Hansen, who we know is the number one uh, New York Times bestselling author for the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Um, just a, a, an amazing writer has broken all the, the writing uh, records and book records, book sales records out there, uh, has sold over 500 million copies of books. So I'm, I'm guessing you may have learned one or two things from him uh, in working with him. Why did you partner with him to write the book? And, and why was 
this is such an important book for both of you to take time out of your life to write. I got to know Mark, Mark Victor Hansen maybe a year and a half ago. My particular passion is combating human trafficking. And I've got some pretty neat ways to go about it. And that, that caught Mark Victor Hansen's attention. And we became friends. Friends enough so that like would frequently email each other, frequently talk on the phone about, about human trafficking. But then along came COVID-19. And what I think you don't know about me is I'm a science writer and a health writer. I, I've had, golly, close to 40 years of experience about writing about science and at least 10 writing about health. Uh, I worked for Scripps Howard. My column went to 420 newspapers. So, you know, this is my thing. It's, it's my wheelhouse. It's what I feel confident about. And I proposed to Mark Victor Hansen very early when COVID-19 was almost not on people's radar screens yet. It was on mine because I have friends in China who were telling me that, you know, something terrible is coming your way. Mm -hmm. Well, I suggested to Mark Victor Hansen, you know, I told him, Mark, you're the most inspirational person on the planet. Half a billion people have read your books. And I have some expertise in writing about health and science and your stepson, Preston Weeks, is just absolutely brilliant on physical fitness. What if we write a very short book in which we give 40 tips to people to help them get through you know, one of the worst times that's likely to come their way? Uh, and he embraced the idea. In about three weeks, we wrote this book. And uh, I, I want to share something about, about Mark Victor Henson that you might enjoy. Um, I, I have a clue, and this isn't about how to be up and down times. This is a clue about success that, that I learned from him and that I think you wouldn't know if I didn't share it with you. But one day after the book was already in print, he said, Mitzi, I know that you're good at Photoshop. I want you to write across a dummy of the book, more than a million copies sold. Is this mirror reading so you can see it right or not see it? Yes, it is. It is mirror reading? Correct. No, no, it's, it's oh, looking correct. So you, can, you can read it. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, now, I said, but Mark, I don't want to do false advertising. You said, no, that's not the point. That's not the point. The point is, if you, if you want success in whatever it is that you're trying for, visualize it. Put it in writing. And in the case of the book, he said, write more than a million copies off the top of it. Keep it uh, you know, posted around the house you know, in, in your bedroom, in the kitchen, in your office. And he said, just watch what happens when, when you begin visualizing the success of more than a million copies sold. And he turned out to be right. Because like within days, I started getting orders 200 at a time. I mean, even one from Taiwan, a woman I've never heard of who said that she wanted to give 200 copies uh, to her friends and she wanted, she was exploring buying a thousand copies to have them in as uh, items in some chain of stores she has. And it's to me, this is something I'd never really heard of before that visualizing success somehow puts you in tune to get it. Mm. It's so powerful. I also, uh, you know, I've built a, uh, a a mini friendship with Mark Victor Hansen and we text and email and he also gave me that same advice 
And he said, Joseph, create a mock copy or cover uh, for your book and, and put that emblem, number one New York Times bestselling uh, book. Um, and I was like, I had the same hesitancy. And I was like, well, Mark, that's kind of like, it's, that hasn't happened yet. He goes, yeah, but it's for you. It's for you to see and for you to believe so that you can attract it. And I was like, oh, I get that. That makes sense. Right. So I did the same thing and, and I look at it every day. It's a, my screensaver on my uh, laptop here. Um, I appreciate that. So Startup Nation, a little success principle from Mark Dick to Hansen, especially if you're about to write a book, uh, go ahead and print out some copies and Photoshop uh, what that dream is for that book. Is it to sell over a million copies? Is it to be a New York Times bestselling book? Put it on there. That's not for public view. That's just for you and manifest that. All right, Mitzi, let's uh, get into the book itself. What specifically is a reader going to take away from this book? Why do they need to go out and buy this book? And as an example, that lady say um, that reached out to you and said, I want a thousand copies of this and for my stores. What what's the thing? She, what's the message she was trying to impart or give? Uh, to these people that she obviously cares about in her life that is found in your book? Well, I don't know about you or our audience, but for me, the, the COVID-19, the political issues, uh, sickness of relatives, it's been the toughest time I've been through. And I'm going to bet a lot of people are in exactly the same boat. So what do you do about it? And I'll, I'll, I'll give one tip from the book. Oh, uh, this has to do, this is me as a science writer and a health writer speaking, but this is a time when our bodies are just flooded with stress hormones. And one piece of advice that I would give you is make sure that you have at least an hour a day of respite. You can call it escapism if you like, but sometime when you're absolutely not thinking of all the stresses in your life, and different people have told me that they have different approaches to doing this, but like for some people it's watching James Bond movies because if you're watching a James Bond movie, you're probably not thinking that of the things that are going wrong. Or other people tell me that they just exercise so much that they don't have a room for another thought, or maybe they've got a hobby. But it's actually medically necessary, says Mitzi, that you give yourself some time when your body isn't just being flooded by stress hormones. Because if you never have relief, your body wasn't designed to be constantly in a state of stress. And if you, it, it is life shortening not to give yourself respite of some sort. And I can't tell what is perfect respite for you, uh, but I bet you know what it is. I mean, maybe it's playing with grandchildren if you can, maybe it's Whatever it is for you, maybe it's listening to just the most beautiful music in the world, getting really lost in, in a book, whatever it is. What would it be for you? Uh, for me personally, Mark has challenged me uh, to write two hours a day. Uh, so that is something I took on. Um, it was my deficit uh, in my life. I had the limiting belief system that uh, I am not a good writer. I am a, a good speaker, but not a good writer with a written word. Um, and that was holding me back. And because stages pretty much have closed up during COVID, I had to shift and say, okay, I can't be on stages giving talks right now. 
uh, because of what's happening in the world, how can I still influence and reach others? Well, I could do it through writing. And that's when Mark showed up in my life, challenged me to write two hours a day. And Mitzi, I'll tell you straight out, um, by practicing uh, and taking on that challenge and immerse, immersing myself into the writings of others, uh, I am enjoying writing. I look forward to it. That's my two hour respite uh, each day. And I've noticed my content is starting to get good or better. Like the craft is being developed. So that's my answer to you. Oh, love it, love it, love it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so where can listeners, well, before we go there, actually, um, we are speaking with Mitzi Purdue. Uh, you can find her at antmitzi.com, antmitzi.com. That's so adorable, by the way. Uh, very clever use of the URL. Um, and you could go get her book uh, entitled How to Be Up in Down Times. Uh, she co-wrote that with uh, Mark Victor Hansen, one of the greatest authors of all time, in my opinion, um, and just a genuinely fantastic man. Um, I really like who he is. And uh, Mitzi, I'm, we're about to go into my favorite part of the show, uh, the hustle round. This is where okay. I'm going. To, we like yeah. hustles. This is where I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't uh, overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready? I'm ready. What Bring your, it on. Let's go. What is your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur, being a businesswoman? Freedom. Freedom. What's your least favorite thing? It would be nice to be in an office where there, you could have other people bucking you up. Yeah, I got that. What are you most afraid of? Uh, can I pass on that one? I, 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 my religion is to be upbeat and not be afraid. <laughs> got it. Okay. Um, I believe we're all uh, struggling with suffering and it's just part of being human, right? Um, especially now with COVID, right? That's why you wrote, you wrote the book and stuff to help people with that. Um, what are you personally struggling with or professionally struggling with right now, just to be human? I'm up against the same thing that you are. Uh, I love public speaking and now it's all going virtual. Uh, that's a struggle, but deal with it. Yeah, I get that. Uh, what secret fear do you have about people? Can we pass on that one also? <laughs> since, since I've already revealed to you that, that, that my religion is to be upbeat and, and yes. not given to fear. I get that. I, I just don't process fear. I, you know, I'm gonna honor that. Typically I don't with a guest um, because I, I really want those nuggets of who you are. However, I really get who you are. And I've heard it said a different way. Joseph, never give energy to uh, your pain. Never give. Yeah, that's fight. that. That is my attitude. So I, I, I think I've revealed something about myself, even if. Uh, you have. You have. Okay. What's a new habit that you want to form? Uh, I absolutely adore to have a more normal relationship with food. <laughs> because right now, Got under it. stress, I eat. I understand that. What's a bad habit you want to break, other than that? Um, well, frankly, it all revolves around, I, I wish that under stress that I would do something more positive than, than eat. 
Yeah, I get that. I'm sure you're going to come up with something. What do you wish you had learned sooner in business? I wish that I had overcome imposter syndrome sooner. Yeah, you know, so many guests uh, that come on this show, whether they did $100,000 last year or $250 million last year, imposter syndrome, number one thing that comes up on the show. Oh, I'm amazed that it's not just me. Yay. No, it's not just you. Sorry. Uh, pick three words to describe who you are now. Kind, ambitious, uh, resilient. Yeah, I got that. Pick three words to describe who you were when you first got into business. Uh, shy, um, timid, no self-confidence. Hmm. Sounds uh, like one or two similarities to uh, Frank there, huh? Pretty cool. And last question, if you could come back to life, Mitzi, after you died, look your family, your friends, your grandchildren in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about everything, what would you say to them? Act with courage. Act with courage. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about making their first $100,000 this year? All right. I want to quote my late father because I think it will, I hope it will be useful to people. He said one of the keys to his success is people have a compulsion to live up to or down to your expectations. So mm. he used to simply expect the best from people. Mm. That, that's very powerful. What you expect, Startup Nation, you attract. You really do. So why not uh, raise your expectations and attract a better life for yourself? That's what I'm hearing Mitzi say. All right, Mitzi, what's the best way for Startup Nation to get in touch with you, go pick up your book, learn more? Uh, what do you got? Okay, I hope that you want to uh, buy with uh, how to be up and down times, but don't buy it from atmitzi.com. Buy it from Amazon because Mark Victor Hansen and Preston Weeks and I are splitting the royalties, but it's very inexpensive. I think it's like 5.98 or something. And we deliberately priced it as low as possible because we wanted it to be used more than to make money from it. But how to get in touch with me, go to antmitzi.com and you'll find ways to, to get to me. You know, I oh, think that's- oh, 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 better than that. You'll also get some free chapters if you go to antmitzi.com. You can just download some of them. Fantastic. You know, I think that's pretty much as low as Amazon allows an author to uh, to that, um, uh, price a book. So that's pretty awesome because you guys are almost giving it away for free. You're making yeah, uh, th this really literally is the lowest price Amazon would allow. That's pretty amazing. All right, Startup Nation, go get that book, How to Be Up in Down Times. Um, and like, what is your deficit? Like sit with that from this episode, replay this episode if you need to, write down, really take a minute to think. You, so many times we don't think in our lives anymore and we wonder why nothing changes. Well, nothing changes because your thinking isn't changing because you're not taking the time, the time to just sit with what's so, what's real, what's actually happening, what's working, what's not working. These are some of the questions I, I contribute to your life startup nation. So Mitzi, thank you so much. You can find her at antmitzi.com. Uh, Mitzi, thank you for being on your first 100K. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life. 
Startup Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your business without building faith in your business. If you want to have that conversation on the faith side of things, go check out my other podcast called Broken Catholic. On that show, I interview all different guests about why the world isn't working right now. Plus, I tackle unspeakable topics that you may secretly struggle with, but won't admit. We got to get your faith right to get your business right. Go to BrokenCatholic.com. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.